came here to dance, right? Why don't we line it up for these clowns? Come on, let's go. Junk food supper. 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 Welcome to Junk Food Supper. This is the podcast where pretty much every week, except for a couple of weeks, we get together and we talk about crazy stuff, movies. Uh, wacky movies, you know, all kinds of stuff, even stuff that isn't movies, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I am Parker, joined as always by co-host Sean from Los Angeles. How are you doing, Sean? Hello. How did you like that intro? Was that co concise, cohesive? I, I liked it. I mean, I, I don't remember you calling out video stores or uh, various corners of the internet or, you know, all those things that we used to list. And I'm a little bit disappointed that you did not refer to me as one of the three geeks from Ohio, even though I've <laughs> only briefly been there. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, A minus, I would say. Yeah. Well, I think you've, in the last 10 years, you've probably spent more time in Ohio than Mark Fredo, I would guess. So yeah, that counts. You've overtaken his spot as a third, as one of the three geeks from Ohio. I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but I, I might even have bested you in terms of Ohio time in the past decade. I mean, how often are, are you going back? That's true. That, that is actually possible. I've only been back the one time. Yeah. And and I don't remember you even going to a super monster movie fest at the Skyline Drive-In while you were there. Well, that's in Indiana. That doesn't count at all. Well, but the base, the launching pad base of operations traditionally is Cincinnati. I think most people who go to that event, they first go to Cincinnati, they leave Indiana set up camp in Cincinnati. <laughs> they do that four hour trek or whatever out on the roads. Yeah. You know, you know how it works out there. Yeah. Most trips to any drive-in should start off with Skyline Chili. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're going to the Skyline drive-in, which confusingly minimal chili on the menu there. It's more like popcorn and chicken fingers and stuff. Yeah. There was a Skyline drive-in in Dayton. Uh, for a long time, and they also had no chili dogs that I recall, at least no Skyline chili dogs. So false advertising. What a bummer. Yeah. What they also a had a roller rink though. So that was cool. All right. Well, this place is sounding cool again. Yeah. It was a nice place, but, uh, but what about you? Have you visited any nice places this week? I don't think I went a goddamn... Well, actually, that's not true. I, I went to Long Beach and saw Skeletal Remains play a show, and, and that was fun. Uh, oh, it was a great show. <laughs> I thought that you, like, you were just visiting, like, tombs or something. <laughs> I, I've thing. actually done that before, and Long Beach does have some cool historic cemeteries, but uh, no, this time was for a, a death metal band uh, from Whittier, local band that I like, but... Uh, other than that, um, one of my wife's friends came over this past week and, uh, this guy is like a, a sculptor and he's got a 3d scanner and I had never seen one of these things before. Have you, have you messed around with a 3d scanner? He, he brought it over and I was kind of, kind of impressed with, with how technology has progressed. I have not. We have a 3d printer that I have only used one time, but it, it scares me like magic. I haven't I haven't done anything with a 3D scanner, though I would like to because I could just scan my little Warhammer miniatures and print out a bunch of copies of them real quick. 
I yeah, I think you could. Like, I think you could do it shockingly easily. Like, it's one of those things where I, you know, I had heard of three D scanners, but I had kind of assumed that they were, you know, going to be super expensive and maybe, you know, like physically very large or like you know difficult to work with because it's pretty new technology as far as I know. Maybe I'm just not tuned in, but uh, this kid brought over his 3D scanner and it was, it's like a $700 piece of equipment. So not cheap, but, you know, consumer priced, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of handhold this thing and it's very small, you know, it's it's smaller than a phone and you handhold it and you just kind of go around, you know, with the infrared and the camera on it and you scan the thing and you can see it like popping up in real time on the computer and it's very seamless i mean there are little you know blips along the road where certain things will scan better than others or you might have to make little adjustments manually it might miss like a small piece here or there but overall i was like kind of blown away like wow people are going to be able to mass produce just about anything you know, on their own soon, which I guess is good for things like reusability, you know, if you're able to make parts for something and and then you don't have to throw away something or or buy a new one. But um, yeah, kind of cool stuff to to see it in person. Yeah, it seems like cool technology. I know that that your wife was mentioning that she might want to 3D scan some of her her artwork to, to crank it out at a faster speed, which I think is a cool idea. Yeah, that's that's what we did was, you know, we, we scanned some of her sculptures. And the cool thing is then you have control of the scale. So she can sculpt something in clay at a size that she likes to work in, which is a little bit bigger. But then you can just shrink it down with the click of a button in the computer and then print out a, a small version. So, uh, yeah, it's it seems pretty cool. So I could add like Radish Man and those guys to my Warhammer army if I wanted to, is what you're telling me. We can I get them in that exactly, small scale. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. All right. I'm, I'm also telling you that you could have a Marvel hero clicks Captain America that's life-size. That also would be fun. I would like both of those things very much. Yeah. There is a miniatures game. It's like kind of like Warhammer, but different. That like the whole conceit is that your armies are like do consist of like of vegetable people. So that actually, I, I could get into that game if we're using this technology. I'm now very excited about the prospect. I'll, I'll let you know when, when we've got them on the market, you know? Sweet. Speaking of the market, I saw that she's also making kappas, my favorite kind of yokai. She's been making kappas, yeah. She's uh, she's also a big fan of kappas. And uh, she made, well, not just kappas, but she also made the, um, the uh, crying old man Oh, yeah, the old, yeah. man, old man crybaby from uh, Katara. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun stuff in the works. I like that. I like that kind of hustle. Other than that, I, I caught up with that movie Confess Fletch, the John Hamm Fletch movie that came out last year or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I saw that movie. Did you like it? I wanted to like it. You know, I, I love, a, you know, kind of... A, goofy detective story like that's my bread and butter but i didn't like it it, it just felt very cheap and kind of lazy and i don't know was not that into it i agree yeah uh, do you like the original fletch i actually have never seen the original two fletch movies all right, that's going on my private letterbox list of potential five-star Sean Byron movies. 
I feel like it does have potential. It's been on my watch list for decades. I I saw it late in life. So I'm not one of these guys who like grew up with it and that's why I like it. But like I saw it like three years ago or something when I was going through my big Chevy Chase is the funniest guy on earth phase. And it's it's a masterpiece. And one of the most LAE movies of all time. So I think that you'll like that aspect of it. You know, that's actually another problem with this new Confess Fletch. You know, motherfucker's wearing a, a um, Lakers hat the entire movie, but it takes place in Italy and Boston. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like they're yeah. teasing you with the L.A. Like, that's Fletch's whole thing is that he he's he loves L.A. He likes the Lakers. Like, that's his whole thing. So to put him in Italy is stupid. I mean, maybe that maybe the book takes place there. I don't know. But I didn't care for I agree with you. I did not care for that aspect of the movie. Yeah, at least give me one that is set in Los Angeles first and, and then feel free to go abroad and, you know, wear that Lakers hat somewhere else and it will mean something to me, but not not the way they did it, unfortunately. Also, John Hamm is not very good at things. I don't know. I, I didn't see Mad Men, so maybe he's like great on that show, but I, anytime I see him, I'm just like, okay, this fucking guy again. He's a great podcast guest. And seems like a very nice guy. Okay. And he's handsome. Oh, he's very good looking. I'll give him those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't seen the, the role yet where I'm super impressed with him as an actor. But it might be out there. I don't know. I, I haven't really dug too deep either. Mad Men was not for me. I, I watched like two episodes and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah. It just seems so. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, it wasn't for me either. Based on, I think I watched like half an episode and was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, maybe I would like it more now. I, I've certainly become more of a grandpa, but it it just <laughs> felt so slow the couple episodes I watched. Yeah. Anywho, what about your week? Any surf ranch activity? Can we get another report from the Kelly Slater surf ranch? Uh, no, I didn't go back out to the surf ranch. The, the world surf league championships have moved on. They're in like Brazil or South America or something now. No, you don't have to tell me that. (laughs) So, so nothing exciting. I just sat around really. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing too intense. I went somewhere Saturday, but it, where I went actually ties into something that we'll be talking about when we discuss twin peaks later. So I'll talk about it then. Um, oh, intriguing. Here's a, uh, that's, I mean, you're alluding to a boner episode situation. So that's, I mean, that's a real tease. This is a cross episode tease. <laughs> yeah. I think this is maybe the first time we've ever teased any of the bonus episodes in like five years of doing them because we're bad at promoting <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but if you want to hear us talk about, uh, things that I did this weekend and Twin Peaks, um, yeah, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash junkfooddinner. And uh, throw down a couple of dollars. I think we're going to post the, f- we talked, you and I, Sean, we talked about the first episode of Twin Peaks, the movie, I guess, the pilot. And we talked about it for like an hour and we're going to keep on talking about Twin Peaks uh, forever, I think. Yeah, probably. for as many hours as, as we choose. Yeah, for as long as it takes. So go over there, watch along with us, uh, get those bonus episodes. I think the first one I'm going to put up for like a dollar or something, like the dollar tier, just to like hook you guys, you know, to get, get you, wet your whistles, get you interested in this Twin Peaks thing. Um, Very nice. <laughs> so go over there and give it a listen. And if you like it, subscribe to us and all that. But um, but I like David Lynch. 
as you guys know. So that's what we're going to be doing over there. But uh, but yeah, I did some stuff that kind of ties into this to one of the episodes we're going to be talking about this week. So oddly enough, Um, but outside of that, I did nothing. Well, I hope you didn't murder any high school girls this past Saturday. (laughs) Well, the whole story, I'll just tell it now. I had a damn fine cup of coffee. That was really (laughs) it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Not much well, of a story after all, I guess. I, I look forward to hearing more about this and, and maybe what flavor of pie you had with it. Oh, I, well, I did actually have a good pie this well, weekend. Well, don't tell me now. This is how we tease the boner episodes and get rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I go okay, bankrupt, wait. I'm citing this moment as as the entire reason. Well, that's fair. Fair enough. That is actually fair. Um, well... Speaking of fair, should we slide into our, what what would only be fair, which would be our first segment? Not a good transition. I'm still working on these. (laughs) That sounds fair to me. Our our segments are fair. Okay. So this week, what I was thinking was, um, I don't know if if you know about this. I don't know if the listeners know about this. Probably somebody knows about this. I don't know too much about it. But what I do know is... They used to make these things called the Saturday Morning Preview Show. And ABC did this, NBC did this. I think CBS did it. You know, they all did it for various amounts of time. But, you know, basically through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, for most years, most of the big networks would put out these preview shows where they would preview what the new Saturday morning cartoons would be mostly, but also... Depending on the on the network, maybe they're previewing some primetime shows. Um, they would generally come out in like September-ish, I believe, or maybe like late August or something like this um, to promote the upcoming shows. So there are a number of them uploaded to YouTube um, that are all kind of interesting in their own ways. I've selected a few that I thought might be fun to talk about. Um and, you know, I was thinking we'll just do basically a running commentary where we play them. They're about 25 minutes to 30 minutes each. And so we'll, we'll do a commentary over one of these and just talk about what we're seeing, what the shows are. And if we remember, you know, seeing this or any of these kind of preview shows, um, which I, I guess maybe this is a good opportunity to ask. Have you seen any, any of these preview shows? Are you familiar with this concept? Does it seem bizarre to you or does seem bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen any of these. Um, there's one of them that I may have seen, maybe because I'm a super fan of Saved by the Bell. But um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's the 1989 um, Saved by the Bell themed one is kind of interesting because there's basically two categories of these. There's some where they just present these as kind of like. Um, an episode of a show almost where they like try to trick the viewer into thinking that they're watching either like say by the bell or there's one that's family matters where it's, it just looks like an episode of family matters, but then they just keep being like, Hey, what's on TV. And then they'll cut to some new show. Um, and then there's other ones that are just kind of like, they'll do like a stage show presentation or something. Um, an example of that is so, my favorite of these is the great NBC Smiling Saturday Morning Parade from 1976, um, mm. which is kind of what it sounds like. It's a smiling Saturday morning parade. It's this fun, just kind of cavalcade of presentation from 76 that I think features some Sid and Marty Croft stuff. 
But there's another one from 1974 where it's a weird stage show that Sid and Marty Croft put on that is just bizarre and full of all these horrendous looking puppets. Um, then there's, yeah, as we mentioned, Say by the Bell 89. There's a 96 Melissa Joan Hart hosted one that I don't think I have seen, but maybe might, you know, overlap more with things that we've seen in terms of shows because 76, probably most of these shows were going to be like, I've never seen this. And then there's another one that I was initially thinking of doing, but uh, maybe we'll skip it because the quality is pretty bad, which is there's a 1985 one that stars Tony Danza, R2-D2, and C-3PO that looks like a ton of fun, but again, the quality is kind of crummy. So maybe we'll, we'll wait until we find a better quality uh, copy of that. But um, I'll throw it to you. I mean, I feel like you're probably most prone to pick the Say by the Bell one which is fine, but, uh, but you got options. Um, and, and don't be shy of, you know, about the seventies ones. Yeah. The smile and Saturday morning parade sounds very intriguing. Um, but I feel like a uh, 76, I like, I feel like it'd be pretty uncommon for me to uh, like, remember any of those on account of I was negative five. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, fair. So if we were to do two of these, I would pick that one and the Saved by the Bell one. But uh, Saved by the like, I can't. This is an opportunity I can't pass up. I know it's extremely on brand and probably anticlimactic to pick that one, but I mean, you know, it's it's my thing. You know, I love sure. those kids. Well, let, yeah, let's pick that one, and then uh, if this segment is a success, I think it's only fair that we watch the other one next time. That works for me. All right, so I've got my copy of Saved by the Bell, Who Shrank Saturday Morning, NBC 1989, which if you search for that on YouTube, you should be able to find this pretty easily. Should be about 23 minutes, 40 seconds long. And unfortunately, this copy is slightly abbreviated. Like, I think it's missing like, the first minute and the last minute, maybe. But I think we'll get most of the idea of it. Okay. All right. I'm with you. All right. So I guess without further ado, if, if we want to, I'll count down and then we'll just hit play. Um, so on one. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Are we going to, are we going to push the button on at the end of the countdown or do we wait a beat? You know, I, that part always confuses me. <laughs> like, is guess, it three, I, two, one and I click at one? When you hear the, the puh in my play, cause I'll do three, two, one play. <laughs> Okay, which perfect. that was just a practice. Hopefully, you didn't hit play already. Otherwise, we're going to be out of sync. I did. Oh no! Oh damn! All right. Well, rewind, rewind the tape, pop it out, put it back in, blow on it, maybe, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So three, two, one, play, and then while, while I'm saying play, I'm I'm going to hit play. Okay, perfect. All right. Without further ado, who shrank Saturday morning? Three, two, one, play. That's weird. Right. We were pushing play, and then Jesse was pushing play on the TV like at like basically the same time. That's really weird. That is very weird. So I think you are going to have to help me out with the save by the bellness of this because, you know, I, I was not a huge save by the bellsman. Well, that's unfortunate because this is the greatest show of all time. I know this that is you love very it. early on in Saved by the Bell. These kids are very young. This is probably yeah. like the first or second season. Eighty nine. So yeah, it seems pretty early. But I guess it was already such a success that they chose to use it as the wraparound for this presentation. 
yeah, it was it was a mega hit. So this will be one of these ones where it's like, as you can see, they've they've shot it as if it's a real episode. They've got the entire cast here, which is kind of impressive. And then they're just going to find ways to cut into the various shows they want to promote to you. Yeah. It's kind of weird that they wouldn't put this on like the DVDs and stuff as an episode. I mean, I guess maybe it was only, it wasn't evergreen like all the rest. I don't know. I guess it would be stupid to play this three years down the line, I suppose is probably the reason, but yeah, I mean, like I said, they were making these for a long time and not all of them are available on YouTube. So I hopefully more of these will turn up because I think they're kind of a fun relic. Also, it's weird that like, this is like very atypical for Saved by the bell for to have like a sci-fi conceit like this for Zach and screech to be stuck inside of a TV. Oh, no. And now Lisa and Slater is stuck inside of a TV. Unusual for Saved by the Bell, but I feel like it's the plot line of at least 30% of all JFD movies. <laughs> it's true. They spared no expense for this set, too. Just Christmas lights on black cardboard. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, they blew all their money on guest stars, like my favorite guest star of all time, Alf. Oh my goodness! You love to see him. This is a great crossover. This is weird that I that this isn't more well known. Oh, you didn't know that they took place in the same universe? No. Oh yeah, dude. All of these NBC shows of the late '80s, early '90s, you're gonna find out take place in the same universe. This is like the Avengers before the Avengers. Yeah. So I guess Alf is here to. To promote his cartoon, right? Yeah, here we go. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. He already had America hooked on his live action. And so this this was the new drug that he was delivering. Wait, was Alf just, like, does Alf wear clothes? Like, in real life? <laughs> like, I was he just wearing clothes him, hanging out? Outside? On the show, I don't think he ever did. But I, at Burger King, certainly you would get a Hawaiian shirt elf at the drive-thru, you know, or maybe a rock and roll elf as a giveaway for your Happy Meal. Well, I guess he's wearing like a little robe. I wonder if there's some sort of thing like the network was mad or like they wouldn't, like you can't have like a naked alien on Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoons or something. Like, I wonder what the deal was. Could be that. Or, you know, maybe Alf just wanted to get some free wardrobe. So, you know, he's like, let's get them out. Boom mic right above Bill Cosby in the commercial. You see this? I noticed that. From a fucking Kodak commercial? Are you kidding me? If anybody can get photography right, it should be Kodak. (laughs) The boom mic operator was probably a little sleepy, if you catch my (laughs) meaning. Yeah, I, I like to think that was the boom mic operator's like silent protest against this monster that he had to work with. <laughs> Ruin your Slightly career. Ruin the commercial. Yeah, oh, that's wild. This, like that boom mic operator must have gotten fired, right? Like I, to, I don't for remember seeing a boom in a commercial before. <laughs> you know, like a, a backyard, you know, zombie movie. Sure, but it's crazy. That is wild to me. Especially because in that shot, you could have just like cropped out a little bit, you know, crop 3% of the frame. It would have been yeah. fine. I mean, maybe things were like seen so irregularly back then and like they didn't yeah. foresee the like YouTube, like that nobody like, oh, cared. Yeah. They had no idea that you and I would be goofing on them you know, <laughs> almost 40 years later. 
Yeah. So you know what will I will we like? Yeah. Sorry. Go. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering if we will find out who shrunk Saturday morning. I'm also wondering about that. What were you going to say, though? <laughs> well, now I'm going to say why would Zach and the rest of the crew laugh at Alf threatening to eat a cat? Like it seems like something <laughs> that's horrifying. They're big fans of his show, you know. Well, could be, yeah. They know that's one of his signature gags. Yeah. But I was going to say, I miss when commercials were about, like, were, like, trying to sell you something, like, identifiably. Like, that last thing where, like, a kid, you know, the kid gets a stain on his shirt, and so his mom's like, oh, to get this stain out, I'm going to use this. Like, commercials now are, like, so stupid and abstract. Like, half the time, I don't even know what they're selling, because it'll be, like, you know, it's, like, Jason Statham comes out, and, he, and he's, like, doing a little dance and, like, make some sort of meta joke about his friend Ryan Reynolds, and then it's, like, that's it? Yeah. Like, there's no product even in the fucking commercial? I feel like pretty much every commercial on television now will feature at some point during its runtime Ozzy Osbourne arguing with a man in a suit. I don't know why. <laughs> it just, it's going to happen, and what they're talking about will have nothing to do with the product. Yeah. Are we still promoting the ALF cartoon? I think so. They're really going hard on this ALF cartoon. Man, we're six and a half minutes into this thing. It's not a whole lot of runtime left. ALF, you got to share the stage a little bit. It's like you would think that, like, why even use the Saved by the Bell kids? Like, ALF was probably more popular than they were. Like, why not just cut out the middleman and have ALF host this? Well, I think his demands, you know, would probably be too high in terms of salary, in terms of, you know, creative direction. Yeah. Alf's a bit of a diva. In terms of cats? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the catering bill on that production would be insane. Mm. Not catering, but catering, you see. <laughs> All right. I get that joke. Is this uh, one of the sets from Step Up All In that they've now stumbled into? <laughs> it does look like that climactic scene. Yeah. I feel like they're going to stumble upon that breakdance carnival ride in a moment. <laughs> What is that noise? Yeah. Oh, man, it's a Willy Wonka-looking motherfucker. Is this Micro Machines guy? It is Micro Machines guy. Hell yeah. What is he doing here? I don't know, but he was on all these shows. The new ALF toy car? (laughs) Probably. I think it's funny that they could not afford the salaries of Kelly Kapowski and, and Jesse to... To be on this, so you only get four of the Saved by the Bells. Oh, I didn't even realize that we we're missing notable cast members. Yeah. Well, there's still time. Yeah, they maybe could show they, up. Yeah, maybe they got shrunk. Man, and that's it for Micro Machine, dude. Hopefully, you got to yeah. keep that hat. Oh, oh, okay. Here we go. Here's Kelly and Jesse. And dogs. What kind of dogs they got, bro? <laughs> Is this lady like a part of the show or is she somebody new? Um, she's not on the show. I think that's Marsha Warfield from from uh, Night Court. Oh, okay. But she's dressed like Brett the Hitman Hart for some reason. I like the shoulder pads, though. I feel like that could make a comeback. Yeah. Those are like pretty good effects. This is a good show. This is a good show. I would watch a more sci-fi oriented uh, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't 
invoke sci-fi and Eastern mysticism more often <laughs> in their plot lines. Well, speaking of uh, uh, stuff we're going to be talking about later with Twin Peaks, introducing Eastern mysticism. Sure, yeah. And glowing green lights. Mm-hmm. All right, what cartoon we got here? Oh. All right. That racist caricature voice was supposed to be a Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Is it Pat Morita, though? That's what we don't know. I can't imagine. But maybe. You ever see Pat Morita do stand-up? Like before not, he was no. Mr. Mr. Miyagi? He was just like a stand-up in San Francisco with... Uh, just a very, you know, American standard speaking voice. So it's kind of jarring to see him just like acting like a regular dude, not like a sensei. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw an interview with him a while back and I was shocked because he also, he also has that like broken English, I think in happy days too, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. I think he made a run of it, you know, which, yeah. you know, a lot of people did at that time, but in retrospect, I think is maybe in poor taste. Yeah, it could be. I mean, good on him for getting money. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of what you had to do back in the olden days if you were Asian, I guess, but like in Hollywood. But uh, but yeah, he was like, I think he grew up in like Sacramento or something like that. So yeah, he's just got no accent at all. Very surprising. Now, does this, this door filled with smoke reappear on Saved by the Bell proper? <laughs> Is this a recurring element? No, this is new. It, it looks like the uh, the fog wall that you find before you fight a boss in uh, in Dark Souls. So I like that a lot. I like that they're apparently just now in Smurfland. Yeah. Who knew that? Did they ever mention this on the show? Like, hey, remember that one time we walked into Smurfland? <laughs> you would <laughs> no, think this no. would have had a big impact on them, you know? Yeah. Their reaction is pretty casual right now, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's right. like a dream world of magic, and they're just like, yeah. oh, yeah. They're like, oh, this place is cool. Are cool. Camp a Candy. Boom mic. Did you spot one? I missed it. Oh, yeah, there's a big boom mic. Oh, up, eagle eye. Sign. I was too distracted by the sign for Camp Candy because that indicates to me this is going to be a John Candy cartoon, and here he is, John Candy on Saved by the Bell. Wow. This is shocking to see. John Halloween Candy himself. Yeah. Although sometimes you look at John Candy's credit list on IMDb and you get the feeling around this time he was not saying no to really very much. Yeah, especially if you were a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come on and, and drop some camping gear under these kids' feet. You know, mm-hmm. meet my demands. And I'm not talking about cats. <laughs> I have no memory of any of these shows except for the Alf cartoon. I mean, I didn't watch either of them, but I I've been familiar with them for a while. This Camp Candy one kind of looks good to me in a weird way. I don't know. I like a, a silly adventure. Why not? Yeah. I is guess the primary about-, about how fatty is, I think. Yeah. How yeah. How embarrassing. Well, in the series finale for this kid's show, John Candy dies from being too fat. So, (laughs) jokes on the audience. (laughs) How terrible. It's weird that 
the Saved by the Bell crew is hanging out with these people who are like way more famous than they are. Like Alf and John Candy, like the Micro Machines yeah. guy. <laughs> Maybe not you, him, I guess. But who do, who do you think is more famous right now? Alf, John Candy, or Micro Machines guy today? Um, Alf. It's, well, yeah, probably Alf. It's gotta it's be, gotta Alf. be Alf, right? Alf's number one. Yeah. Candy number two, probably. Yeah. Micro guy, sadly forgotten by the wayside. Yeah, there's no, in the age of podcasts, like there's just no need for, for a guy who can talk fast. Like you can just push the, the two times speed button on your, on your podcast app. Like you don't need a guy who can do it in real time. All right, let's, let's give ratings to these commercials. So far I'm enjoying this. We got a stop motion Snuggy Bear Is it, or maybe a puppet. I don't know. It's probably a puppet, I guess. Yeah, I think he's a puppet. Yeah, this one's got naked children in it, so it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's got a, a catchy little song going on, though. This is at least a B. That was stop yeah. motion at the end for sure. It was. Yeah, I think so. That bear looked cozy, so I'll give it an A minus. KFC. This commercial is evocative of the time when uh, KFC actually tasted good. <laughs> So I mean that's that's something. Were you yeah. a big KFC kid? Um, I mean I kind of had to be because like it was one of those things where like if your mom was getting home late from work, like she would just get it. Or I guess if my mom was getting home at any point in the day from work because like she never cooked, she always just got us food like from from restaurants out there, fast food restaurants. But like you know, so you had to be. It was like on the rotation of stuff she would get, so I had to be. But I. I didn't really, it wasn't really my thing. I still, I eat it like once every five years now. It's like, it's not my thing. I mean, it's, it's fallen off substantially, but I did love those chicken little sandwiches as a kid. But we, uh, we passed right over that commercial where Michael Jackson is dancing with Alvin and the chipmunks or something. And it's going to be on mm-hmm. TV tomorrow, I guess. So I'll be tuning in for that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think oh. that like, this is what the inside of a TV actually was like? Like with like weird directional arrows leading you to either Alf or unsolved mysteries or, or anything like that. Did you think that the TV was real inside? Um, I don't think I ever had that thought, but I do remember when I was like nine years old, I, I had the thought that I could take apart my Nintendo Entertainment System and put it back together. And I don't know why <laughs> I had that thought, but I like completely disassembled it and then was like, I don't know how to do. Like I'm not a engineer. I can't put this back. I don't know how circuit <laughs> boards work. I can't do this. So. You just had a broken Nintendo for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Eventually I got a Super Nintendo and that was the next time I could play games at home. Oh man, that's heartbreaking. So it, was, it was like a year or two later. <laughs> I had a friend when I was like really little, like first or second grade, who we were we would play Contra together. And like if he tried to jump and like failed and died, then he would go, Oh man, they didn't let me have it. You know, or like if you know, like he got shot, he'd be like, Oh, they got me. And so I thought that there were people on the other side of the Nintendo thing who, who like decide if you make the jump or not, you know, like they push a little button saying, no, he doesn't get to make the jump. Like, so I thought that anytime you played <laughs> Nintendo people, the Nintendo people were monitoring it and would decide if you live or die, basically. That's uh, so I thought funny. that for, for a while, probably a couple of years. Well, it looks like, you know, this episode of Saved by the Bell, which is canon, uh, is also establishing that premise. It seems like that's how the the games work in their world, because 
they're in the TV right there. They're playing Nintendo on that giant Nintendo controller, and it's controlling, I think, that Captain N cartoon that we just watched a preview for. Yeah, that show was great. Did you watch that show? I didn't, but I did read the comic book uh, or like comic strip adaptations that were in Nintendo Power at the time. I remember uh, those. Yeah, those were good. All right. We've got what? Alvin and the Chipmunks again? Yeah. Man, talk about a property with staying power. Those first records are what? The late 60s or something or what? Mid 60s uh, even? Could be. Yeah, probably. It's, yeah, mid 60s. It's crazy. And they're still, I think they're still making movies as far as I know, or it hasn't been too long. Yeah. I think that there was a, another reboot not too long ago. I wonder, does that one guy who did the voices, you know, and spit up the tape, does he just get rich from all this? Or maybe he's probably long dead. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, he could be dead. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the chipmunks as a kid. I liked, uh, that second movie with the chipettes where they go to like a volcano or something. I loved that movie. That sounds vaguely familiar. I I don't know that I re- even remember it though that there were movies back then. Or chipmunk yeah. movies, you know. There were at least two. I saw that one in a theater, I know, with my grandma. They were fun though. You know, I I had some 45s. I'd put them on and dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there were like really big movies a few years ago. Those uh the ones with Jason Lee, the CGI ones and David Cross. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was yeah. like a decade ago or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're still around, but yeah, the, yeah, they were big recently. So as we near the end of this, do you remember having seen this, or, or is this your first exposure to this? Because if you've never seen this before, I feel like you got to go back and watch this like a hawk, you know? you got to learn all the dialogue. This is yeah, canon. I, de- I will have to rewatch this, but yeah, it's... Um, I, I don't remember ever seeing this. I do like that it apparently is the Matrix. I mean, the Matrix 100% ripped this off, right? Like, this is like the scene where Keanu Reeves visits the the architect or whatever he's called, the, the old white guy with the white hair at the end of uh, part two. Well, 100%, but it's not fair to call it a ripoff if there's a credit byline before the film that says the Matrix 2 based on who shrank Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, true. They they gave credit. It's impressive that those Christmas lights are now moving in the background. I think that they were stationary before. Yeah. Oh, we got what's his face? Yeah, George Jefferson. George Jefferson. Another guy more famous than the Saved by the Bell kids. And he's wearing Ric Flair's ring attire. <laughs> yeah. Or. Or Hayabusa, maybe even. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird mm-hmm. costume he's got. Yeah. The Master Programmer. Yeah. This is, I mean, I was making a joke, but I do have to go back and watch this because this is strikingly similar to The Matrix, I feel like. Yeah. And it's it's kind of incredible, <laughs> like, how many of the 1980s, early 90s, like, hallmarks are touched upon here. Like, it, it's got Saved by the Bell, Alf, John Candy... Nintendo is featured more prominently in this than I think any other TV stuff that I can remember. They got, they got pretty much everything right here. Yeah. This is like all of 1989 in a nutshell right here. Yeah. People should be watching these. So are they hyping original rap song from George Jefferson? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think so. It absolutely is. So they're hyping up Saved by the Bell. Is this, did this air before season one of Saved by the Bell, maybe? It couldn't be, could it? That, would they really put all these kids in the lead like that? I mean, I, I guess it would explain why they're the least famous people in the show. 1989 was the first year, so I think that wow. this is maybe the first time we ever saw the Saved by the Bell crew. That's insane. That's the, the wildest marketing I've ever seen. This is their origin story. Yeah. I mean, like, Saved by and, the Bell kind of spun off from a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Yeah, like, of course. So it's, like, not exactly their origin, but, it, I mean, it is in terms of it being Bayside and Saved by the Bell and, like, this cast and everything, which is it's, wild. Yeah, somehow they have a more outlandish origin than any Marvel superhero <laughs> or, you know. <laughs> we got beamed in and out of TVs and we met every, you know member of the, the NBC 1989 lineup. Yeah. For this being like, I guess what you could call the pilot episode of Saved by the Bell, it is wild <laughs> that this is like not more well-known. And sadly, that's it. It says we will return after these messages, uh, but it in fact does not return. I think that, like I said, it's 24 minutes and it seems like we got most of it. And you got the general idea. Uh, hopefully the, you know, unabridged version does turn up someday and, you know, even gets like a criterion treatment, uh, you know, I'd like some (laughs) director's commentaries, know what they were thinking, you know, what kind of metatextual themes were they trying to introduce in this piece of work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would like to know all that kind of stuff. But what we do know is, Hey, that was kind of fun to watch. Right. Did you enjoy that? Uh, I did. Indeed. I did. Nice. Maybe we'll, we'll do another one sometime. I like it. I like the idea. Uh, speaking of another one, we got another a couple one. of voice. Yeah, we, we had a voicemail, a couple of voicemails from someone we know and love who uh, then also sends us another one and another one and another one. So let's check these out. Please welcome Leah Sweet. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> When you think about it, I I think the ultimate or the best sexual experience you could have with a celebrity, any celebrity, but I think it would be um, Tom Holland, uh, but you'd have to shrink him down to the size of like maybe one of those little uh, plastic people that came with the micro machines or maybe even smaller, like micro miniature size. And he'd crawl up your nasal passage. Um, oh, and he would um, crawl into your brain. And he would uh, just, he'd be wearing a really big boot. And he would just keep kicking um, the serotonin uh, receptor, whatever the the pleasure receptor is oh. in your brain. Just keep stepping on it. Um, but I oh. would worry that your brain would be too gooey and his shoe would get stuck. And he'd just keep pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling, and then, and then your brain would explode, and then he'd oh, be oh. stuck inside of your rotting corpse. He'd still be micro miniature size, and he wouldn't be able to make movies no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mia. 
That is the kinkiest thing I've ever heard on this podcast. Um, but I think you're it, correct. It, it gives you a boner. That's what you're saying. It gives you a boner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think Tom Holland's like a little guy, though. So like maybe you wouldn't even need to shrink him down for this to happen. I think he's like a short fellow. So uh, maybe this is just one of his fuck styles already, this Tom Holland. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't have definitive proof. He's not come out on the record to say otherwise. Yeah. We don't know. We just don't have all the information. Uh, but Mia did call back. So maybe, maybe Mia's got some more information about the subject. Very nice. A lot of people don't realize that Tom um, Hanks and Rita Wilson got together on the set of Turner and Heat. Because, you know, originally, uh, Rita Wilson uh, was dating Hooch. Well, the original actor who's going to play Hooch. Oh. I uh, see. Um, she wouldn't be dating a dog. That would be weird. Um, the actor who was going to play Hooch uh, was an extreme follower of uh, the Stanislavski method. So he was a method actor, but to the nth degree. And when he was hired to and you know play this dog he actually had his uh, his limbs removed and uh, sort of modified to be more dog like and um, you know had some facial reconstructive surgery uh, oh. but you know the uh, director thought that was incredibly bizarre so it didn't work out instead they got these the dog which she also dated briefly uh that's the story for another time um so sadly her uh boyfriend at the time uh ended up being a mutant dog person uh but you know she married tom hanks and he plays um the toy from the toy story thing he he plays the sloppy guy All right, thank you, Mia. Uh, it seems like that voicemail might have chilled out a little bit. <clears throat> um, I like that buckwheat groat song about being Tom Hanks. So that's really all I got to, to say about Tom Hanks, I guess. Oh, I, I actually just met Tom Hanks's friend, uh, Gary Sinise, the other day. So that was cool. He was nice. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, indeed I did. This better not be the thing that you're going to be talking about that happened this past Saturday. Because again, no, I'm going no, to be no. blame, blaming my bankruptcy on you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got something way better, way more exciting than that. It better be. Uh, that cup of coffee I mentioned. Yeah. Um, but it was not, so, not a cup of coffee with Lieutenant Dan. No, we didn't have coffee together, sadly. That would have been nice, though. He's more uh, of a green teasman. I think so. Uh, but Mia called back another time. Let's uh, let's hear what she's got to say. So, I grew up religious. <laughs> I guess I grew up Methodist, but I went to Christian school for all of middle school, fifth through eight. And, well, I couldn't sleep last night, and I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. And usually it's <laughs> depicted as like a dove but I think it's kind of like the apple or you know it's like more of a 
symbolic idea of what the Holy Spirit looks like instead of, you know, what it actually is. Cause, so I was thinking, why why can't the Holy, you know, what if the Holy Spirit is actually like a, a hot dog with wings, like in the bun, not just like a floating hot dog, hot dog and <laughs> bun with wings, maybe with mustard, or one of them chicken McNugget buddies, either with wings or like rolling around on the ground because I feel like if the Holy Spirit enters the room a McNugget is the perfect size to not be detected well a McNugget buddy you know with like them googly eyes and I think it's mouth kind of open those things are kind of weird but you know I mean it could be anything if it even exists but I think a chicken McNugget with googly eyes, a mouth and wings is probably just as realistic as anything, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I thought that those McNugget buddies with the googly eyes were weird as a kid because, like, everybody else is like Ronald McDonald and Grimace and, like, all those guys. Like, I guess Mayor McCheese. Like, Mayor McCheese was food, but he was also a dude. But, like... The chicken nugget buddies were like just food with eyes. Like, yeah, it seemed weird. Well, it's, it's weird, but it, it also is like less kind of alarming to a child because it's like, okay, yeah, nuggets, that's what I eat. What scared me is when I realized as a kid that birdie was supposed to represent the chicken nuggets that I was eating. And she was like a cute, fun character. And I was supposed to be eating her. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really weird. McDonald's it, was up it, to some crazy yeah. shit. It didn't bother me as much that I was eating Mayor McCheese because of my famous distrust of government authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you're, yeah, but and like Mayor, you know, it's like you know Mayor McCheese is like a cheeseburger, so like he's one step removed from being a cow, you know. But like when you present it as the animal that you're actually eating, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's very strange. Have you tried that new McDonald's cheeseburger recipe? You know what I'm talking I about? Have, no, is it like something you make at home or? No, I mean, that probably based on the way that I phrased it, that would be what you would think. But but no, they came <laughs> out with like a press release like a month ago or something where they, they pulled a Domino's where do you remember when Domino's was like our pizza sucked, but it doesn't suck anymore. They did yeah. that with their cheeseburgers where they're like, we know that you guys hate our cheeseburgers, but good news, we've changed the beef formula. It's going to be way better now. What they didn't put in the press release was the fact that it would be like a dollar more expensive per cheeseburger. Uh, and it's not as good. I don't like this new beef. Um, tastes kind of like it's got this fake, like fake beef fat flavor. Like it feels like they've injected it with like an artificial beef fat flavor or something and a lot more pepper like ground black pepper in it than it used to be and certainly not a, not a dollar better I, th- I think it's actually worse than the the old recipe so i was bummed because mm. I, I, I like you know i like a classic mcd's cheeseburger yeah i feel like i've had mcdonald's recently so i feel like i should have uh seen this or like i don't know maybe it, the taste difference was in like was not uh, noticeable to me or something. I don't know. Or maybe my McDonald's just hasn't switched over yet, but I assume yeah, that this is probably the sort of thing. It is a slow rollout, so you oh, might, okay. might not have it yet. 
that could be it then. But yeah, like I imagine this is the kind of thing where they're like using worse beef, but saying it's better just to charge an extra dollar because of inflation and all that kind of stuff. That is what it feels like. And uh, there are dwindling options for somebody who wants to eat extremely cheaply as much as possible. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I went to Burger King not too long ago and it was like $15. It's like, well, I could have just gotten real fucking food for this amount of money. Yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's how they get you. Uh, There's one final voicemail, a short one. So, I'm sorry to call back, but I had a, a, a revelation. So, the boss I just had that sort of fired me under dubious circumstances um, and then denied me my ability to get fucking unemployment. Uh, it was an adult man who wears shorts as his main form of trouser. Oh, and nothing's wrong with I that. I just want to say that I don't trust adult men who wear shorts as their main form of trouser, except <laughs> with the very rare exception, and that, of course, being the lovely and talented and gracious, our <laughs> wonderful Sean Byron. Okay, okay. fine, all right. I, I appreciate the exception. I mean, I, I was about to get real irate and give me a, you know, a, a real mouthful here uh, because I'm a man who, who does not own pants. Uh, I only own shorts, but I live in a climate where that makes sense. And when I travel, uh, you know, back home for Christmas and stuff like that, I look like a fool. But, you know, that's that's the life I've committed to. <laughs> yeah. When you live in California, you can wear shorts whenever the hell you want. And I'll be honest, you can wear them in the snow as well. Like, go to Canada in shorts in the winter. It's fine. You're not going to, nobody's going to die from it. You know, you'll be, you go, but you know, you go back inside when you need to warm up. You don't need these pants. You don't need to shackle your shins away. Are you wearing like a heavy coat though with the shorts? Just like a hoodie. Okay. Well, t shirt, hoodie, shorts. I I can do most cold weather with that. And then. Yeah, you get a little cold once in a while, you pop indoors. You do that thing where you you breathe into your hands and you rub them together, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a classic move. If nobody's looking, you can do it on your own legs as well. So that's a little pro tip for you. Just huff some hot <laughs> air down in, into your thighs and start rubbing. Okay, all right. I think I might try that. You got my permission. I appreciate that. Um, so those are all the voicemails. Usually we don't let people do more than one. But uh, there are no other ones besides Mia's. So I guess that's yeah. the new rule. If you're the only person that week, then you can send in as many as the hell you want. Uh, so let that be the new rule to foster some diversity, I suppose. Yeah. And on the flip side, if you don't want that to happen on future episodes, call in, leave, you know, join the Greek chorus of, of voices and and then we'll have some, you know, uh, some other voicemails, but if, if yeah. you, I mean, if you're like me and, and you enjoy these Mia Sweetman's four X at a time, then please don't call in. <laughs> but if you do want to call in, do so at three four seven seven four six junk. That's three four seven seven four six five eight six five, 
or go to facebook.com slash junkfoodinner and click the call now button. Also, uh, and, shitty to hear about your, your job, man. That sucks. Yeah, that's a bummer. You should uh, find that boss who wears the shorts and pants him. You know, because you're not going to be wearing a belt. You can embarrass him by pulling down his pants, exposing his penis. Hey, yeah, buddy, that's buddy, funny. some sort of pervert. <laughs> hey, it's a classic prank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about Step Up All In. So stick around. Ooh. There's a magic that happens when you dance. Everything lines up. The world is in sync. And for one perfect moment, you feel totally alive. Sorry, everyone. Looks like we found what we're looking for. But everyone knows it's not that easy. I thought LA was supposed to be the place where dreams actually happen. It must suck to be hot for five minutes and realize that you're a flash mob. Ain't nothing but a joke. Wake up. This crew's not ready for L.A., man. Welcome to the Vortex. This is the ultimate dance competition with the ultimate prize. The three-year Vegas contract. You can't answer alone. So you're putting a crew together or what? Hell yeah. What are you doing what here? What do you mean? You're in our new crew. We're going to dance on live television in Vegas. Blah, blah, blah. Come on, we'll fling you in, in the car. If we're going to be a crew, who's going to be in charge? I am. I see you got yourself a new crew. Y'all come to see some real dancing? Winning, it's great. But being here with you guys, that's all I care about. I wanted it so bad, I didn't realize what I was losing. Now I hear the Grim Knights are the crew to beat. How do you feel about that? Shake it, break it, make it bow. We need to give them a show. We're gonna bring the house down. Welcome back to Junk Fod Schlitzy. The movie this week is Step Up All In, um, a movie that I wanted to do because uh, Sean did a Fred Astaire movie last last time, and I I also love dancing, uh, but I love it when more than one person dances and uh, and when they act like a robot at the same time. So I love the Step Up franchise. Um, I first started loving them. When I saw part two in the theaters, and then after that, I was just hooked. Uh, this is the fifth one, uh, and not the last. Um, although kind of the last, I suppose. There's one movie, a sixth movie, that seems like it's kind of unofficial, but it's sort of official, that was a Chinese production. Um, and I'm not even sure if it's been released here in America. I think maybe it has. Um, and there was a television show that ran on some weird, obscure streaming uh, site for two years after this, but um, but no further theatrical films, sadly. 
which is strange because this movie made a ton of money. Um, in my research, I discovered oh. that it made uh, $86 million, but they only spent $35 million to make it, uh, which seems like a pretty good profit. But in perspective, I guess the uh, like the first four, they all made over $100 million um, on lesser budgets. So... Um, yeah, I, this I think that like the current accounting is like people say you need to make two X your budget in order to actually make money back. I, I don't know if that's really true or if that's just like Hollywood accounting where they're trying to not pay writers when they say something like that. But that's what I always hear. <laughs> yeah, I hear that too because of like taking in like advertising and, and stuff like that and marketing into account. Um, Which you would argue so, then, why not just include that in the budgetary figure so that we all know what's what's going on <laughs> rather than this mystery accounting where you can never be sure if a movie was profitable. Yeah, it's very strange, very draconian. Um, but but even if you take that into account, this made a little bit more than its budget. It, it you know, yeah. it did not a failure by any means. Um, and I do think that this is probably the last time because of the way th- movies work nowadays, like. They're either made for like $2 million or $200 million. There's not really any room in between where like these movies were being made in that $35 million budget range. So like, yeah, this may very well be the last time that we have a franchise created like this. That isn't either a found footage ghost story or that's like a micro budget or, you know, a DC movie like yeah, um, or something for streaming. You know, I, I feel like that's yeah. kind of the domain of streaming now is these kind of mid-budget things. Like, yeah, like a yeah, Confess Fletch is probably in that budget range. Yeah, I would imagine that's probably true. <clears throat> Although that yeah, yeah. did go theatrical, but it feels like it shouldn't have. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it wasn't theaters for like four days or something. That yeah, that seems like a mistake. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so kind of kind of. Um, yeah, movies like this aren't really made anymore, I don't think. This budget range and this, um, you know, the subject matter where it's basically just like theater, <laughs> I guess, um, in a movie. I mean, sometimes sometimes stuff like this still pops up. Theater, I guess, the, yeah, like theater and Broadway and stuff, it's kind of trendy now a little bit. Maybe that's died down a little bit after Cats, but it was kind of a popular thing around this time uh, as well. But anyway, this movie... Um, is directed by Trish C. Is perhaps how you say her last name. Um, who is was a first time director at the time. Um, she got this because she was a choreographer. She chore- did the choreography for like a lot of the OK Go music videos. If you remember those, they were like the guys who did like weird viral music videos where they did like crazy dancing on like treadmills and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and she also did the choreography for the film God Bless America, a real piece of shit directed by that Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait. Which, um, was there a dance in that? I, maybe there was. I don't remember a dance. I don't, yeah. There must have been, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't remember it. Um, but uh, yeah, so she she takes over this, this franchise uh, at this point. Um, and in this movie... Uh, we pick up right where part four left off. We've got um, Ryan Guzman as Sean, uh, who um, he's, a, he's a fun actor. He's also an original Linklater movie called Everybody Wants Some. But uh, his crew in the last one, they 
did whatever they set out to do. It's been a while since I've seen that one. That one took place in Miami, I think. Um, and then they decide to move to LA. And then we pick up here now in part five. The crew's not doing well. Uh, they're not getting any, uh, you know, they're not getting any jobs. They're going to a bunch of phony, wacky auditions. Um, the the beginning of this is a montage where they're at an audition. Um, and in part of that montage, they have to dance like luchadors, which I thought was kind of fun. One of two wrestling themed uh, dance numbers in this movie. Um, and then this other crew, the Grim Knights, get the job that they want. And the Grim Knights are real dicks about it. Uh, and challenge them later at a local bar to a dance-off, a classic scenario in movies like this. Um, and the Grim Knights totally win. And uh, our crew, uh, the mob, is so humiliated by this that they move away. <laughs> they move back to Miami, except for Sean, the leader. The whole rest of the crew, um, which uh, features Twitch, uh, Stephen Twitch boss, who was in a couple of these step-up movies, and he was a big guy on uh, So You Think You Can Dance. He's a really amazing dancer. He doesn't get like enough uh, screen time in this movie, but he's really amazing. He just died a couple years ago, so that's very sad. I love that guy. Is that the um, dude with the real like close-cropped facial hair? I I think so, yeah. He's like the, the main black guy in their crew. Oh, never mind. Okay. No, I, I was thinking of a white dude. Okay. Um. I'll, yeah, just, I'll, but, uh, I'll look him up. Let me look. Okay. He, oh, yeah. Okay, this guy. Yeah, he's one of the more prominent guys, but uh, he's very good at dancing. He's also in Magic Mike XXL. Um, yeah, he rules. Uh, but anyway, so the, the gang, the mob, is so humiliated about this loss that they all move back, uh, and they all get into one cab, which is a, f- a very funny scene, <laughs> and they go back to Miami. So... Uh, this guy, Sean, he gets the idea to uh, enter into a, a contest in Las Vegas where you and your crew go there and you battle it out. And the winner of this competition gets their own residency at Caesars Palace, I think, um, and a bunch of money and everything like this. So he assembles a new crew, which features a lot of the all-stars from previous movies, um, like Moose, uh, my favorite guy in the whole world. Um, who is now an engineer, uh, and also uh, Andy, played by Brianna Evigan. Is, I'm probably not pronouncing her last name right. Maybe I am. Who I like a great deal. She's in a lot of like horror movies when she's not doing step up movies. Um, she has kind of like a fun career, I guess. Uh, she was in the Mother's Day remake and the Donnie Darko sequel and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and a bunch of other like background dancers from a lot of the previous other step up movies show up. There's a fun oh, I, montage. I huh? totally forgot that there was that Samantha Darko movie. Did you see that? I have not seen it. I've got the Blu-ray, but I've never actually watched it. it wasn't it like unofficial or something? Like, didn't the director like not approve it or something? Like Richard Kelly was yeah. not into it or something? I, I don't remember. Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. It was like totally different. I think it might've been like the kind of thing where it was like a totally separate script. And then they just slapped the Donnie Darko name on it to sell it kind of a thing. Okay. Whoever had the rights to it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so she's cool. I like her. Um, There's also a fun scene where they ask 
Like they go around and it's like a montage. It's like a Muppet movie montage where they get the gang all together, you know, like they pick up some dancing twins and they pick up this person and that person. Um, at one point they go to ask somebody to join, but he won't join unless his barber can also join. And I think that that's very funny. It makes me laugh very hard. And his barber is Cyrus, who was on one of the seasons of So You Think You Can Dance. I think he was like the runner up one season. He's very, very good at dancing as well. I'm a big fan of that guy. Um, so then they, they get the crew together. They make an audition tape, which is um, basically like a Frankenstein homage. They do like a big Frankenstein dance that I think is super fun. Um, and then they get invited to the Las Vegas thing. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, both the mob and the Grim Knights are a part of this fucking contest. So we got a lot of drama oh. here. <laughs> uh, and then the mob is really mad at Sean um, for joining this competition without telling them, even though they left the crew. So it's like, and it seems a little hypocritical to me, but, um, but then they dance a lot. Uh, Sean and Andy fight over who is the leader of the new crew, which is called Elementrix. Uh, but then they fall in love a little bit. Uh, there's a very cute scene where they're um, dancing around uh, at the, uh, the sign graveyard in Las Vegas. And then they get onto like a roller coaster thing while there, which I don't, I've never been to the Stein graveyard, but I can't imagine that there's also like uh, no, bumper cars. It's, it's not. <laughs> yes. So the, the geography of that entire scene is just a slap in the face to any student <laughs> of Las Vegas area geography that, you know, they open the scene on Fremont street and then they like, they turn a corner and suddenly they're at the neon museum which is over by the McCarran Air. It's nowhere near Fremont Street. It's on the other <laughs> side of the strip entirely. Um, so that's kind of a weird maneuver. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. and then suddenly they turn a corner when they're at the Neon Museum and they're at this um, breakdance carnival ride, which is not there, sadly. Yeah, that it's it looks like a fun carnival ride. And like the, there's like a guy operating it who's asleep because I guess it's like a very not busy carnival ride in the middle of this sign signage graveyard. And so he just turns the ride on for them so that they can dance around. I appreciate that guy helping them out. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. He was looking out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then this whole time uh, we're going to spoil this movie here. Um, Alexa Brava, who's like the host of this contest, uh, who is being just played like, on like her hamminess is up to like 12. Like she has broken the hamminess scale. This lady's performance, she's played by Isabella Miko, who's like a Polish actor or something. 100% wonderful. Like this lady is hamming it up. She has no shame at all. She's just having the most fun in the world. But uh, it turns out that it's a, it's a hoax and she's in it with the Grim Knights and the Grim Knights are supposed to win. Um, so, so the 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 Elementrix crew uh, has to overcome that in some sort of way by dancing. I guess is how you do that. Oh, um, <laughs> um, there's also like a another fun montage where we're introduced to all of the uh, other um, like crews that are in this, but they're not the mob, the Grim Knights, or Elementrix, so they're not important. So they get eliminated quickly. But one of those crews is Poriotics who was on um, ABDC, America's Best Dance Crew, uh, which was an MTV show. And they're like really fucking good. Like if you're at all interested in like breakdancing and like dance like this, 
Uh, look them up on YouTube because they're amazing. Um, and then also, speaking of uh, ABDC, Yaya f- from the IME crew uh, from that show shows up as like a redheaded, um, she's like the redhead robot girl who falls in love with our crew's robot guy. It's very sweet. And she's also very good at dancing. Um, but I think this movie is super fun. It's probably, maybe not the best Step Up movie. Step Up 2 probably is. Um, but I think it's, this one like kind of really like, amps up all the stuff I like about this, these movies, which is a, the fun dancing uh, and the fun sets and the fun costumes and the melodrama. This one perhaps has a little bit too much melodrama. Uh, it's kind of a long movie. Uh, so, but I mean, I like all these characters cause I've seen all the rest of the movies. Maybe if you haven't, you wouldn't like the melodrama as much. Um, but I'm hoping that you at least like the dancing in this uh, part three, I think we talked about this off air, but part three has like a, a Fred Astaire uh, homage dance in it. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe that would have been the correct one to choose. But uh, but I don't know. I'm hoping I'm hoping that you like these dances. Uh, I like these dances. I think that they're fun. I think that they're shot well. And interestingly, you know, having a choreographer as the director probably helps. Uh, usually they just kind of like lock down the camera and let people do their thing that they're going to do. Um don't really get in their way and everybody it should be said i guess that everybody in this all the characters uh all the actors are the dancers that we see uh in the show like they're not cutting away to stunt doubles or anything like that or at least like there might be like a couple of cutaways or something but like for the most part everybody is dancing uh and i think that that's cool you see it on on the screen um so this is a fun movie probably not for everybody uh probably not our normal jfd jfs fair but uh, but I don't know, a fun thing, a fun thing and a fun curiosity that these things were like fucking huge for a decade uh, and now kind of don't exist. But uh, what do you think about this, Sean Byron? Do you like the dancing going on here? Do you like those L.A. locations? Well, I mean, in terms of Fred Astaire, you did kind of gloss over the fact that there is a scene that is set at a at like a dance studio where in the oh, yeah. background of the frame, there's a photograph of Fred Astaire on the wall. I think it's like very small. It's like a, a thousand feet away. But I was like, that looks like Fred Astaire's silhouette in this black and white photo. So that there is be. a connection. Yeah. Um, like on the dance, like this, these movies pull a lot from the previously mentioned TV shows. So you think you can dance in America's dance crew. Like they pull a lot of dancers from those shows. And those shows are like, well, specifically, so you think you can dance like, they love to mention Fred Astaire. Like anytime they can do a Fred Astaire homage, like those shows are like kind of tap dance heavy too. Usually there's a couple of tap dancers on that, on those shows. Um, so yeah. So anytime they can like work him in, I'm surprised there isn't more tap dancing in this movie. Actually. I think I remembered tap dancing in one of the other ones, but, but yeah, they love Fred Astaire here. So when you were watching this movie though, this week, I know that you wanted me to love this or, or at least appreciate this or, you know, I'm guessing that your intent was not ill. Um, but when you were watching it, like, did you think this time, like, oh, he's he's going to like this? Or or did you regret it as soon as you started watching this? Like, oh, no. I thought that you would hate all the scenes with characters and actors talking and that you would appreciate the dancing. Okay, well. I, well, I hoped that you would appreciate the dancing. I don't have enough information on what you like about Fred Astaire and dancing. I don't think necessarily like, which is like, 
oftentimes when we go to Universal Hollywood Horror Nights, we think about seeing the Jabberwockies. And I really regret us not ever seeing the Jabberwockies because then I would have a definitive answer as to whether or not this movie would be up your alley because they do this style of dance. So we probably should have seen the Jabberwockies at some time. I mean, for um, many reasons, we should have seen the Jabberwockies. <laughs> um, because, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not too familiar with this style of dance. I've never seen uh, any of these movies. I've never seen You Got Served. I've never seen the TV shows that you're talking about. Uh, I've never seen... There's, isn't there some new one where celebrities are dancing? I haven't seen those. Uh, um, yeah, the um, it might just be called Celebrity Dance. Yeah, those shows suck. Like the ones where, like, um, God, what's the name of that fucking show? It's very popular. But yeah, that there, show there's sucks. like the Masked Singer too, but that's not dance, obviously. That's singing. Yeah. But anyways, I, I've never seen any of this stuff. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> based on you picking this, and, and man, it's, I just, I was having the reaction watching this of like, well, it's great to know that Parker Bowman's really gotten to know me over the past 6,000 episodes that he would think I would like this because I did not like this. Um, you know, I, I thought the filmmaking was, well, it was advertised to me as it would be interesting. And the opening montage in this uses a song that sounds to me a lot like it's a royalty free track from a Neil Breen movie. <laughs> and it looks like it was edited on an iPad. Like this is clearly first time director stuff feels very straight to streaming, you know, um, like there's not a whole lot of cinematic flair to any of this, like certainly not the dialogue scenes, but I don't even think in, in the dancing scenes, but before you even get to the dance, you know, in the first few scenes, look at all these people standing around in, in LA and, and you asked me about the LA locations I feel like more than locations, what you're dealing with is you got to like swim through an ocean of like California flag t-shirts and, um, you know, Los Angeles branded starter jackets and things like this, where it's like, it felt like the filmmakers weren't confident that I would be able to put together based on the locations and the dialogue (laughs) and the fact that everybody's saying LA every other sentence that, that that's where the story is taking place. And then, you know, maybe it's because of the fact that, you know, maybe they were confused about the confusion that they were instilling in in the viewer by, in one scene in this, everybody's standing around outside in LA on a sunny day, and everyone's wearing, like, winter beanie caps that I don't (laughs) think I've ever seen a single person in Los Angeles wear. That was Uh, the style at the time. I get well, and that's the thing is is I was watching this, and you know, 2014. It's almost 10 years ago now, and it does feel like the past, which is weird. I, I didn't really expect to to watch this and feel like fashion has changed, or you know, that filmmaking has changed that much. But it, it does feel like the past, which is I don't know, kind of weird. Um, I guess time time moves on, and, and things do change. But yeah, anyhow, I didn't like the opening, and then I thought the dance scenes were kind of bad. Like to me, this feels like an entire movie of background dancers with no leads. And you know, even when they do give some close-ups to a lead, quote unquote, lead dancer, or maybe they'll do like a like a you know a two-person dance kind of a thing. Even when they do that, I feel like these people that they focus on just don't have the charisma or the style of a lead dancer, you know, and part of what I hate most about this style of dancing is how a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people who do this style of dancing, 
they take an opportunity to like look at the camera and give you like a real mean mug face, you know, where they're, <laughs> where they think like suddenly they're going to be tough or something because they gave me a grumpy face, but I don't like that. That's not what I want. Like, I want guys smiling when they dance, you know what I, like I'm supposed to be yeah. forgetting about my cares in the world. Well, yeah, that is a good point. There's one guy I, I hate in this movie who, when they're, they're at the bar at the beginning in the, the grim Knights challenge them to that, that, dance off and then like so the mob does their little dance first and then the grim knights are preparing and then a guy walks in from the side of the frame and he's like got the meanest face i've ever seen (laughs) and yeah that guy i don't care for but uh but yeah that is like kind of part of the the style sort of like what we saw with breaking when like those two crews fight like you kind of got a mean mug a little bit that's kind of like the style i guess so i understand and i i also do prefer when people smile when they dance yeah, but the people in Breakin, I mean, I, I would believe legitimately that most of them have spent time on the streets versus everybody in this movie just looks like a like a model. You know, they just look like pretty Hollywood actors and actresses, you know, who are very pampered and I don't know, they don't they never look tough, but um I don't know, like they, they, they go for that, like Dr. Horrible's style dance scene or the Frankenstein dance scene with a big, you know, laboratory set. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to like that. Like, it's kind of a cool idea. Maybe the set is okay. But again, I thought the dance moves were just not very good. Just kind of, I don't know, like when they do group choreo in this, I feel like people are just kind of flopping around randomly and are not really in sync with each other. Like it didn't feel like there was coordination or design to these group dances. It was kind of just like, all right, you guys are all good dancers, right? Okay. Well, we're going to run the camera. Just go do, do your dance thing. Like that's what it felt like to me more than there's certainly no like Busby Berkeley style, like, you know, massive choreography or really any synchronization. I felt like between these people other than like, you know, once in a while to get in a line and, and do a couple simple maneuvers together. But Um, you know, there's also that big dance off in the big boxing ring, which, you know, kind of a cool set to have it in this big boxing ring, but why in the world would you costume these dancers the way that you did? Like one side is wearing these old timey suits and the other side is wearing army camouflage. Like what does that have to do with boxing or wrestling? You know? Yeah. I, that irked me too. Like I get what they're going for. Like they're. They're in a dance fight, so like one of them is like twenties style gangsters, and one of them is army dudes. But yeah, like it should have been like luchadors and like boxers or something like that. Like yeah, like it it clashes with the with the wrestling ring. Yeah, it's it's just a strange choice. And then I don't know. In general, I, I just don't like seeing these part time break dancers who, to me, they they feel like they're faking the funk. You know, a movie like Breakin is populated with people who I feel like do nothing but break dance all day long because it's all that they care about, you know, day and night they're, they're out there breaking, you know, inventing new dance moves without even thinking about it. But these people in this, I I don't know, like, I I just felt like everybody in this with maybe a couple of exceptions. um, But for the most part, they just seem like they maybe learned a little bit of break dancing as like a skill to put on a resume. Like they, they thought it was cool. Like they saw other people doing it and they're like, yeah, I should learn a little bit of this, but I didn't feel the passion. I mean, the only exception that comes to mind at the moment is that one guy with the real bendy limbs who can do like weird yoga poses, like in his breakdancing, you <laughs> yeah, know, the guy, yeah. 
He's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Like the guy that, yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking There's a couple of guys who get a couple of moments where, like, they do that, where, like, they get turned into, like, tools, kind of. Like, someone's, like, cranking their arms around. And, yeah, I yeah I know who you're talking about. That stuff is really cool looking. Yeah, they're, they're doing, like, doll seam street fighter maneuvers while they break dance. Um, and then, like, the plot, I don't know, like, the prize for this dance competition is that you get a three year contract in Las Vegas at a strip casino. Like to me, that seems like a big commitment from uh, this casino might go bankrupt, like overestimating (laughs) the demand for a dance show on the strip, but maybe I'm wrong. The Jabberwockies have been at the Luxor for like 10 years now. So it's okay. Well, yeah, I guess there is a demand for this, this kind of entertainment then. Um, but yeah, the, the dialogue in this is, is just a lot of that kind of like people trying to write young people being cool and missing the <laughs> mark terribly. Um, there's some kind of xenophobic stuff with the Moose family, I felt. Like there's a dinner scene where the family is eating quote unquote goat balls. And the yeah. joke is like, oh man, foreign people eat really gross food. Which yeah. Which is kind of not cool. I don't know. And yeah. then was that guy who was dancing the robot, is he supposed to be deaf? Did I get that right? Or did I just maybe not pay attention at any time that he spoke? <laughs> the guy, the main robot dancer in their crew, who he doesn't talk. I don't know if he's supposed to be deaf, but I, he just doesn't talk. I got the feeling that him and the girl that he kind of flirts with are both supposed to be deaf because they kind of just like sign language at each other with the robot dancing. And I don't know. I, I didn't know what they were trying to say with that stuff. It, it just seemed weird. But I think I they're did, both just so heavily into robot dancing that they're just kind of robots. I think yeah, that's, that's, their whole that's thing. become their primary mode of communicating, I guess. But yeah, yeah, th- this was not for me. I, I did like the breakdance carnival ride. I thought that was a pretty cool setting for a dance. But again, the dance itself, I didn't think was very good. Uh, but it is my favorite scene, even if you know, no credit goes to the the filmmakers. They just, you know, they bought a existing carnival ride, you know, some carnival manufacturer in 1985 should get the credit for that scene. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't judge this too much, I guess, because I honestly, I think in the end, this is a movie made for kids whose primary reference point for entertainment is the Disney channel. And they probably loved it. But, you know, for me, an adult whose primary reference point for entertainment is Disney plus, I didn't love it. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I felt like I was being pranked a little bit while I was watching this. I felt like you intentionally picked the longest step up movie. One that is 15 minutes longer than step up Two, uh, just to make me suffer. No, and, no, that's not. And good. I officially I, do want my $4 back from Amazon. What, what, what do you need $4 from Amazon for? Well, that's when I had to pay them for them to stream this for the privilege of streaming these pixels. This movie's on HBO Max, for God's sake. You should have that. Well, I used to have it when it was HBO Max, but HBO Max doesn't exist anymore. And this Max shit's not going to fly with me, man. I'm not, well, the, I'm not giving Zaslav point, any money. The whole point of moving from Step Up 2 to Step Up 5 was to save you the money of having to rent it. I thought you well, had HBO Max. If I would have known you were renting one, we could have just watched part two. Well, you took all that trouble to call in from the future, and I felt bad to, <laughs> to tell you otherwise. But 
Um, yeah, no. Me and Max are, are not getting along. Wow, this is insane. Uh, well, well, all right. I, I thought that you might like the dancing. I thought that you might like the, It's very fun dancing. I didn't like the dancing. And, and if this officially means that I'm less open-minded about dance than you, fine. That's okay. <laughs> I'm glad that you like the 1930s tap dancing. Okay. I did. I did. Would you be open to watching uh, a dance number from one of the shows I've mentioned by itself, like a three-minute clip of a dance from one of those shows? I mean, that sounds like a, like a fun little segment or something. Watch some some dance only stuff and talk over it with you. But, okay. you know, watching two hours of a dance movie like this by myself. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll find a clip then of one of the tap dancers from one of those shows or something. And see if you like that. Cause maybe presented correctly. You might be into this kind of thing in terms of the dancing, not the movie, but, uh, but maybe I'm not going to try very hard. If, if another three minutes won't do it, then, then we'll all take you to see the Jabberwockies uh, in Las Vegas. And if that doesn't do it, then we'll watch Step Up 2. And if that doesn't do it, I'll gi- I'm a- I give up. I'm also you know? <laughs> willing to believe that jumping in to the fifth installment in a series was, you know, maybe I was, I didn't have my bearings, but I'm not willing to watch any other ones from the series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I won't do anymore. But um, but that is also possible because this one is sort of like a, an all-stars from the first five movies sort of a thing. So having seen the rest of them, like, you know, that probably is part of the charm of this one going, oh, old dude from part three is back. Oh, Moose is back. Like kind of a thing. So, um, well, all right. That step up all in. <laughs> it uh, certainly was. <laughs> Um. Yeah, this movie stunk. Oh, Kevin had an opinion. Well, you guys are both grandfathers who can't uh, can't get into the youth culture the way that I can. You know, all this these is how we live on the streets. We live raw on the streets. We're dance battling all the time out here. At least where I'm at. You know, maybe they're not dance battling in Los Angeles the way they used to. Why are they fighting Dracula? For God's <laughs> sakes! <laughs> but. We've come to the most important part of the show. We have uh, the part where we fight Dracula. And why do we do mm-hmm. it? Nobody knows. It has not yet been established. Um, I think that we have to pick a classic banger okay. to get I, us well, out I, of this hole that, that the two of us have both dug, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say before you pick the next movie, that my next movie, I'm not sure what it'll be yet specifically, but I'm going back to my five-star Sean Byron list for the next so rest assured. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the track that I'm on currently. I'm, I'm looking for it. I, you know, I got to get at least one five star under my belt. And then after that, you know, m- maybe I'll open up to doing some just weird stuff, but I want to impress a Bowman. I don't know. Like a, I know this guy, Parker Bowman, who's got pretty interesting taste in movies. <laughs> I was, you know, I was maybe going to phrase that <laughs> differently before this week. Um, who I, you know, I just, I would love to please this man. So I'm looking at my short list here. I've got a lot of stuff on my short list that really runs the gamut of all, all different types of movies. But in terms of the most classic stuff that I want to make sure that you see before you kick the bucket, have you seen mm-hmm. all of the Sergio Leone's? I don't think I've seen a single Sergio. 
Really? Yeah. That's my boy, Sergio. Okay. Well, then I think that we have to watch Sergio Leone's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh, actually, wait. Is that one? Which one is that? I have seen one of those. It's Mr. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I've seen one of the Eastwoods. Yeah. Let me see which one I've seen. Yeah. There's a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, I've seen a fistful of dollars. Okay, well then we're we're gonna skip right over the second movie. We're pulling a step up and just plopping right at the end of the trilogy. (laughs) There's no really connective story between the three movies, so you don't really need to worry. It's not really a trilogy. Okay, it's about time I see the the good, the bad, and the ugly. What with having been doing this segment for 15 years or whatever. I know. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of embarrassing to be honest with you that you didn't, uh, didn't see it until now. Just been pose dogging all over that segment. <laughs> I'm a total poser. Well, all right. It, it settled the good, the bad and the ugly. That's yeah. quite a movie. It's a classic. So I, you know, hopefully you'll love it. I, I love it. I think most people love it. I think only insane people don't love it. But maybe you're that insane. I don't know. Well, it's possible. It is possible. I mean, how many, like, does Clint Eastwood do any popping or locking in this? No, but he's surprisingly good at the robot. Okay. Then I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I've been wanting to see this. I hear this is very good. I kind of, well, I kind of don't like that other one I saw. But I hear this one's like 10 times better, so. I'm really I'm looking well, forward to this. How old were you when you saw the last one? You were just a, a youngsman. Uh, let's ask Letterboxd how old I was. Do you like I westerns at in, all? Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, I watched it in 2015. Okay, yeah, that's that's Baby Bowman talking. <laughs> all right, I like some. I like uh, I like uh, there's some Clint Eastwood movies I like. I like that one where he's a ghost. Yeah, I thought you liked High Plains Drifter, right? I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I like Unforgiven. He's got some stuff. Yeah, he's good. All right, so, I mean, that's that's my plan to rescue us from two weeks of talking about movies that nobody cares about. (laughs) At least two weeks. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, we had two good weeks before. That was uh, Don't Look Back in Badlands. So so we okay. earned it. Between yeah. those two movies, we earned talking about dancing for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So hopefully we didn't lose all of our listener base. Hopefully <laughs> they're here to hear our announcement of we're back next week. It'll be a, I guess, maybe not a cult movie. Is it? It's not a cult movie, I guess. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but close enough. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we're doing Sergio Leone and uh, Twin Peaks on the bonus episode. So come on, please believe us. We're we're doing cult movies. We're back. Yeah, we, we like this kind of stuff. And eventually we'll talk about a horror movie again. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We're cool. We're not just only into grandpa stuff. <laughs> yeah, or or teenage stuff. Yeah, we like all of the middle-aged men movies. <laughs> We love the thing. We like Predator, you know? <laughs> Ghostbusters is great. Of course it is. Well, I'm going to see right. Indiana Jones this coming weekend. So don't, you know, don't doubt my credentials when it comes to middle-aged men entertainment. 
I think he might be the only one. I saw I know. someone posted online that, yeah, tickets are, are not going fast. There's a lot of empty theaters out there. Yeah, the uh, the tracking is not, not good for this one, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, well. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, how will they recover from a, from a box office failure? Their careers are in jeopardy now. Yeah, and I mean, Harrison Ford might have to hang it up, and it's going to be... <laughs> It's a, you know such a short career. It'll be a shame if the guy has to hang it up at six hundred years old or whatever. <laughs> I think he's banking on this being a failure because he's signed on to do the next <laughs> Captain America movie. So he's he's got to get himself into a hot franchise. I thought you were saying he's banking on on it being a failure because he's sick of acting. Because that, that seems to be the case. Dude wants <laughs> to just go home, smoke some weed. <laughs> Yeah, he's been sick of acting since Empire Strikes Back, I think. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah. We still what love him. Do? We still love him. We still love Blade Runner, the best movie ever. Uh, Blade Runner is not even the best Blade Runner movie. I'm going to be honest with you, Sean. Actually, I'll be honest with you. I very nearly picked Blade Runner this week. The only reason I didn't pick it is that I still do want to find a five-star Bowman but I think we do have to review Blade Runner at some point on Junk Food Supper. Yeah, has it been reviewed on Junk Food Dinner? Sure. Not on Supper. Not on Supper. Which, I i mean, I famously don't really like that movie, but I'm all for it. Because if you pick Blade Runner, I'm picking Blade Runner 2049. We can have ourselves Ooh. fun old time. The only problem with Blade Runner at the moment is that you can't get a good quality version of the original cut. And the original cut also like has its issues. Like there's still no definitive version of that movie, in my opinion, because like that new ultimate cut or whatever that Ridley Scott put out 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, it's good for the most part, but they also like ruined a few scenes with these like horrendous CGI additions. You know, they they totally Lucased it. And I don't need like CGI actors inserted in, in, into my 1982 movie. Like even if like it's clearly a stunt double. I would much rather have an actual photograph stunt double who existed in the year 1982 than some modern looking CGI replacing them. That's understandable. Yeah. I don't, I think I've only seen it once. I don't remember what version it was. It had unicorns at the end. I know that. Well, you might've just seen uh, some unicorn movie. Maybe you watched uh, My Little Pony. <laughs> it could have been, it could have been. Um. All right. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Next time, and Blade Runner. One day, it's settled. Yeah, uh, it is settled. Yeah, you've seen that Blade Runner twenty forty nine, right? Only the one time theatrically, but I I really enjoyed it, and I've wanted to rewatch. So I look forward to doing that eventually. All right, I'm adding it to the list. Nice. Until then, uh, find us. Find us in the streets. Find us in the Discord, the link uh, to which you can find on Facebook, facebook.com slash junkfooddinner, or on the Patreon, patreon.com slash junkfooddinner. That's where we all are. We're in there currently talking about the meetup. Where are we going to have it? Um, I think we're thinking possibly the end of September in in Cincinnati, Ohio, possibly the middle of October uh, in Los Angeles, or possibly the beginning of October in Las Vegas. Um, 
So we could all either go to the Joe Bob Jamboree together in Vegas, or we can all go to the Corn Gorn and Universal Horror Nights together in LA, or uh, we can eat Skyline Chili together in, in Cincinnati uh, is the thinking. So it's going to be somewhere. We're doing it for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll grill Kevin next time he's on the show and, and lock it down, I guess. But uh, that's a thing that we're discussing. So if that interests you at all, go to our Discord and talk about it with us. Um, oh, hell yeah. Send us voicemails and emails. Find us on Facebook. Do all that other kind of stuff. Uh, sign up to the Patreon to listen to our um, Twin Peaks episodes, of which there will be two by the time you hear this, probably. So uh, you can dive right in. So until next week, this is Parker Frajan saying thanks for having fun.